Welcome, welcome, welcome. As always, I am honored that you are here and listening to my podcast, Leaving Religion and Those We Leave Behind. I am your host, Amanda Joy Loveland. And as always, please go head over and make sure you're following this podcast so you can be notified when it drops. New episodes release every Wednesday. And if you will, I would so appreciate you leaving me a five-star review. And thank you to 116CAR. Love this podcast. Love the authentic conversation. Such a need for so many who feel alone. So please head over, give me a five-star review, and leave a leave a review, a positive review. I would so appreciate it. And again, this just is helping so many people. And I've appreciated those of you who have sent me a DM with just letting me know how comforting this these episodes have been. I know a lot of you that listen possibly have one foot in and one foot out and feel a little lost. So in this episode today, I wanted to share a few thoughts, share a few words of wisdom that I have learned in my journey and also in assisting others in theirs. And so today I want to talk about death, really. And what what do I what do I mean by that? Why are we talking about death when it comes to religion? What I have found and what often happens is when we start leaving religion, especially when we have been so entrenched for a very long time, we go through a process of death. And when we do not let it fully die, there's a lot of confusion that will come up in our field. So let's say you've already stepped out. You've decided you've left religion. Maybe you're not telling your family yet, but there's that inner knowing within you that you have left. Here's the kicker. You were at the height of your intuition when you had that that answer that this religion was no longer for you. And then you leave and all of a sudden you don't know what to trust. And the reason why your trust in your intuition starts getting really shaky is because of a few things. One, your relationship with God is shaky. You don't know what God you believe in. The Heavenly Father version of God is maybe no longer something you identify with. It's changing or it's completely dying. And in connection with that, you have been conditioned since you were a child that the Holy Spirit is your intuition. The Holy Spirit is there. The Holy Ghost is there to guide you, to give you answers, to be that comforter, but only when you're worthy. So when you leave the Mormon religion, one thing that we really don't talk about is the fact that there is that beliefs in your system that your intuition is connected to the Holy Ghost, and now you've left religion, it's no longer with you. And I want to tell you right now that that is not the case. This idea of your intuition, your intuition actually lies within the heart space. There's a really beautiful series on Gaia that I would recommend, and I'm going to find... I cannot remember the name of it right this second, but I'm going to find it. But I would highly recommend you watch this video. It's around the heart, and I'll post it in the show notes. But it talks about our heart space, and it goes into how our heart is actually the seat of our intuitive mind. It's our it's our God brain that lives within the heart space. And they had done a, a study, the HeartMath Institute had done a study where they had connected people to these probes and were monitoring um, their heart. 
and they would put them in front of a TV and they would show different images. They would either be calming and soothing or they'd be fearful and scary, like maybe a mountain scene. And then the next one would be a snake or a spider or something fearful. And what they noticed, they would have a few second pause between each slide, each image that would come up. And what they would notice with the heart is the heart would start registering whether that image was going to be fearful or calming. So even before the sight or the vision registered and was able to see the image, the heart already knew what was coming. And so in this beautiful series, this beautiful video, this documentary around the heart, it is suggested, and with these studies, it is highly, there's a lot of evidence that shows that the intuition lies in the, that lies in the heart. Our heart knows. And so moving more and more into that heart space of, of letting the, the concept of hol- the Holy Ghost die, the Mormon version of the Holy Ghost die, and going through a mourning process, a letting go, you could even write a letter to, and these things may feel a little cheesy to you, but I promise you they work. They're actually extremely, extremely great tools for any type of relationship. So it could be a romantic relationship, a friend, any any type of relationship. So even with the Holy Ghost, write a letter to it. Write a letter to this Holy Ghost of all the things that you want to say, of gratitude for being there for you, gratitude for what it what it was, and, and maybe anger or frustration of what it wasn't, or the Mormon holdings of what you were conditioned to believe, and write a letter say everything you want to say. What this does is actually gets these emotions out of your head, out of your heart, through your body and out through your hand and actually on paper. And then when it feels complete, burn it. Burn it and allow for that fire to transmute that energy and to clear it out of your system. And there's such an honoring in this is a ceremony. And ceremonies have been done since the beginning of man. And they are such a place where we get to connect within ourselves and to the earth energy. And it's really, you know, even in temples, they do ceremonies, right? Ceremonies have been a part of of us since the beginning of time. And so having and starting to cultivate your own type of ceremonies is actually really important and really beautiful. It helps us slow down. It helps us honor the things that we need to honor, that we get to honor, release those parts of us that get to be released. And they become really, really beautiful and sacred practices that are our own. We get to personalize those types of ceremonies. So I'm offering a suggestion when you come to a fire, create some sort of sacred space. You know, is there a prayer you want to offer? And we'll talk about prayer here in a minute. But is there a prayer you want to offer as you're coming to the fire? Is there some sort of space where you want to create a sacredness? And in the beginning, if this is so new to you, it will feel cheesy. It will feel uncomfortable because it's out of your comfort zone. And depending on your belief system that you hold now, it may be some things that you feel are bumping up against what you thought was okay. And this is where you get to play. This is where you get to play and explore with what feels good to you and what what you want to start bringing in. And this is where when you start step out of religion, it's painful. There's a lot of mourning, a lot of sorrow, a lot of anger, a lot of emotions that come up. And I 
if you can bring an aspect of curiosity to now what do you get to claim as your new spirituality, as your new belief system, and start playing with different things, it actually can be fun. It can be fun to allow yourself to explore what possibilities are out there, what possibilities of having a different type of relationship with Christ get to look like, what possibilities of having a different relationship with God get to look like. Now, after you burn this letter with the Holy Ghost, I would recommend you start having a practice of connecting with your heart and then going into a space where you start just listening to your intuition, listening to your heart space. And if you feel confused and you're not sure because there, we have been conditioned in religion to listen to what the prophet says, to listen to what the priesthood holders say, to do what we're told to do. And now you feel like a lone man or woman floating out in a tumultuous sea. Maybe it's not, maybe it's more calm, but there's an aspect where you probably feel like you're treading water and you don't know what way is up or down. And that's okay. You get to start having different tools that are part of the foundation, part of the things that you can then stand on so that you're not treading water. And as we let this old version die, this old aspect that we used to know die, we get to cultivate something new. And this is what the beauty is with death. It's the life-death life cycle that we all go through many, many, many times in our life. And it's really important to allow things to die to allow them to completely die, to put them to rest, to honor what needs to be honored, and to let it go. If we hold on to confusion, to not allowing for things to die, it that actually will create confusion in your field, in your body, in your energetics. And so it's really important to allow things to die. So shifting topics to God. This is a really, really, really complex conversation. And one that I'm going to touch on a few points, but if you were sitting across from me today, we could have hours and hours of conversation around this topic. One of my favorite podcasts, if you haven't, and one of the favorite interviews that I did on this podcast, if you haven't already listened, was with Michelle Wilding and her podcast. I can't remember which episode it was, but it's Conversations with God. And it was a really beautiful interview that I did with what God can and gets to look like. And this was her experience, but it was it was really beautiful for me to interview her, for me to witness what, what she holds, and really actually to look at a few of the things in how I held God. And what I didn't do when I left was really allow for God to completely die. There was aspects to where I saw it die. It naturally died. And I remember so vividly sitting in the sitting room of my master bedroom. And we had these, we're right at the foothills of these beautiful mountains. And I'm looking at my yard and just somewhat in a daze. And as I'm looking at the beauty that's behind, that's in my backyard, the aspect of God that used to be connected to all things had disintegrated. And it was such a stark realization of, holy crap, my foundation is gone. This part of what I had held so strongly to had completely died. And I didn't grieve. I noticed, I felt it, I had different types of grief, but I didn't allow myself to fully grieve what that was and what that meant. And so I 
am here to share with you a suggestion and thoughts of getting to look at that relationship that you have with God and ask what parts need to die, what parts you get to grieve. And again, maybe writing a letter, doing some sort of ceremony or some sort of honoring of allowing for that heavenly father version of God to die. Now, in my experience, not everyone has the Heavenly Father version of God die. Most do. I did. I don't view God as a white, gray-haired man that sits up on a throne. And (laughs) I remember so vividly having a lunch with my brother not long after I had left religion. And he was joking around with me that, oh, you know, you'll be back. And And at that time, this was back in 2013, at that time there was people leaving because they were, they had gotten offended. They had gotten offended by something someone said, and that's why they left. So that was a lot of what the members had believed, why people left. And so that's what my brother had also, there's a belief or a curiosity, but yet nobody really asked me why I left. And so it's kind of this joke of, oh, you'll be back, whatever somebody said, or, you know, something was offensive, you know, you'll be back. And I said, no, I won't. And I kept responding the same way. I'm like, no, I won't. And finally, finally he said, how can you be so sure? And I told him, I said, because the version of God that I know is not the version of God that you know. And I told him I believed that we were all gods and that I didn't believe in this God that sat up on a throne and judged me. And his response was, you know, somewhat uncomfortable that discomfort, laughter, because these are hard conversations to have with family members. And he said, well, man, that's egotistical, isn't it? And, you know, I can see why he would say that. Because in the system and in the Mormonism that, that, we, that we held, that all of us listening to this had been a part of and chosen at one point in time, we bought in. We bought in. And my brother at that time and bought in, was buying in. And so the idea that I believed that I was a god would completely bump up against everything he believed in. And so I guess that was egotistical. But I didn't, again, allowing for these old conditions, these old beliefs of what God looks like, and getting really clear on what aspects get to die, and then letting yourself sit in that and allow yourself to feel the emotions that get to be felt You know, one thing that I have learned and I believe very, very strongly is our emotions do not define us. They are just a part of our body's physical response, our body's way of moving energy, emotion. It's motion. It's energy and motion. And so feeling the different emotions and allowing it to move through is the best thing that we can do for ourselves to allow it to move, to not get so stuck on what does this mean or how does this define us or what if I never come out of this dark hole. Back when I was 19 years old, I was diagnosed as bipolar. And it was a time in my life, and I believe I shared this story in my very first episode. And if I did and you've already heard it, I apologize, but here we go again. I'm going to repeat it. Uh, I was at a time in my life where I was really trying to find myself And I was trying to figure out who I was. 
And I was rebelling against my my parents, my family. I had lived with a boy, you know, he was a man to me at the time. And I was having premarital sex. When I would go to church at that time, I felt really uncomfortable and was told it's because I was sinning. And, you know, all these things. And I had moved to Seattle and fell into a huge depression. And I had a moment where I was contemplate, contemplating taking my life and how I wanted to do it. And I was laying on my couch. If you know about Seattle, it's very, it can be very, very gloomy. And it was raining that day as it does most days. And as I was laying on that couch in, in one of the darkest moments I've ever been in my life, my brother who had passed away came to me. And he told me, I heard him very clearly. He said, get up and go call mom. And I did. I called my mom and I said, mom, I'm in a really bad place. Can you come out and get me? And my parents ended up flying out and we went to a therapist and he diagnosed me as bipolar, told me he could have diagnosed me over the phone. Later, I would find out that this was a misdiagnosis, but it took years to find that out. And so there was a label that I carried and the label that attached to me made me somewhat of a victim to this title, this label, and a victim to my emotions. My emotions were bad. So I went through a lot of years of sitting with that, of not wanting to feel different things because they meant that there was something wrong with me. And I had this beautiful therapist that I went to that I so appreciate and honor who she was and the wisdom that she carried. And she said to me in one of our sessions that she found that a lot of teenagers around that time, especially in Utah County and Orm, Utah, were misdiagnosed as bipolar because they were trying to find themselves. And she called it looking in the mirror syndrome, where you look in the mirror and you see the reflection of who you're told you should see, be, look like, act, etc. that box that we're supposed to fit in. And then you see another reflection of who you feel like you really are. And there's a bouncing back and forth between the two because it's challenging to step out of the mold. It's hard to make that choice to really step into a new path and onto a new path that we feel like our soul is calling us. We feel our soul is calling us to this new way of being and it bumps up and it goes against a lot of the systems that we have been conditioned and raised to believe in. So it's hard. And so I had to go through a lot of years of really coming to terms with my emotions, that I get to fill my emotions, and that they don't define me, and I don't need to allow them to consume me. And really, it was the resistance of, one, of the emotion coming in that I didn't want to fill that made it worse. It was a resistance to the darkness or the sadness or the fear or the sorrow or the pain. It was a resistance to that that magnified it. And what I've learned since then is those emotions are just tools they're just these beautiful tools that come up to move again energy and also are asking for us to possibly look at something that's underneath. You have anger that comes up. What is that masking? Usually anger is a cover up for fear, for sadness, for something else that's a limiting belief that's underneath all of it. So give yourself permission to feel those emotions. Allow yourself to grieve Allow yourself to grieve the things that you had believed in. If you're angry, be angry. Do not get stuck here. Allow yourself to ask, why are you angry? What is underneath the anger? 
what gets to be looked at, what gets to be forgiven. You chose into this religion and my belief system you chose in. What I know to be true and what I've, I've walked a lot of clients through is that we all chose in to the system that we are in now. We chose into our parents, our family system. We chose into the religion because it taught us something, because we gained something. And even in this moment of where you're sitting, regardless of where you're at, you're gaining something. You're growing. You're learning. And there is such beauty in that. There's beauty in the growth, the expansion, the learning that you only get to truly experience when you go through the depths of the emotions and depths of the experiences that you're going through. I've been rewriting and re-editing a book that I had published and I had released, oh, about a year and a half ago. When I closed down my business in 2019, I'd always known I'd write a book and I felt very strongly it was time to write it. And as I started writing it, it ended up being a book called Love and the Spaces in Between. And that's not the book that I set out to write, but that's what came out of me. And it ended up being about, I had been married a few times. And I felt the partners that I had attracted into my life were ones that I never in a million years would have thought would have been my story. But it was. And so I felt the desire to write this book to assist people who are going through difficult times with love, with relationships, and maybe even even having abusive relationships, and giving comfort, giving guidance, giving assistance. And I had written it under a pseudoname. And what was interesting about that is about a year after I had published this book, I had done healing work around my name. Our names hold such a vibrational pattern, words, spelling, words, this vibration that we set out with our mouth is, is important. It's powerful. And our names, depending on the condition in which we were born, ha- hold different energetics. And I really had to sit with and do some deep healing around my name, Amanda Joy Loveland. Can I be seen as Amanda Joy Loveland and be a shaman, and be a healer, a guide, a podcaster, someone that assists people in their transition out of religion? Can I be seen as that? And as I did this healing work, this beautiful, beautiful healing work with a friend of mine, I was able to let go of the pseudoname. I had created a pseudoname, Ananda Joy, that I did my website under as a, sh- as a shamanic practitioner, um, and also my book, because I was afraid to be fully seen. My social media was as Ananda Joy. I was afraid to be fully seen. And it's and it was okay. It served me for a time. It was a process. It was this beauty that I got to go through. And when I finally did that last healing work around, can I really be seen as me and be all of me? Then this book came back in and gets to be rewritten and as I have been going through this book, sometimes it's challenging to look at our past and look at the things that have created who we are today. And there's some things in my past that I'm not proud of, but I have learned such deep lessons from. And as I have been going through that, I've been grateful to actually go and process even deeper emotions around choices that I made in my life, including allowing for different men to completely take advantage of me, to be abusive. 
And I, I get to sit with that. I get to honor that. I get to fill another layer of emotions and allow that to move through. So I just am saying this for a few reasons. One, honor where you are. Even if it's painful, honor where you are and the courage that you're having to really listen to your heart, to really listen to the intuition because you have intuition and it is strong. If you have confusion, it's because of the old belief system that you are stepping away from and that is okay. Give yourself grace to move through the emotions. Give yourself grace and permission to have time and space to allow for these energies to clear, to move and to die. And then allow for something new to come in. Have a new relationship with yourself. Allow for yourself to ask when you're ready. It took me years to ask what God actually looks like. I replaced God with source for quite a while, for several years. And frankly, and I think I mentioned this before, it wasn't until this podcast where I really asked, what does God look like for me? What does Jesus Christ look like for me? Here's the irony about Jesus. And one of these days I'm going to do a podcast about living in the shadow of the cross. Here's the irony about Jesus. Jesus Christ went against everything that, not everything, but most things that were in the time that he lived. And there is a holding in our belief system and actually in the land because Christianity is the dominant religion of America. There's a holding, an undercurrent that lives and is very strong that if you go against the the societal norms, you will be crucified. And this is also part of why it makes it hard to leave because of what we were taught that Christ was, which in my belief and who I know Christ to be was, is not true. It's not true. He did not die for our sins. And again, I'm going to do another episode one of these days on living in the shadow of the cross. But I would invite you to ask, what is the relationship you get to have with Christ? Who Christ, by the way, was Yahshua ben Joseph. He was not Christed until much later in his life. And he had to go through some pretty painful things, including the Garden of Gethsemane. And those moments when he felt that he was alone was exactly what he needed to fill to actually move through and become who he became. And it's similar to what you're going through now. Being able to sit in the pain, being able to sit with the suffering, the hurt, the trauma, And being able to allow for those emotions to move through you and feel everything that you get to feel, to mourn everything that gets to be mourned is important and it is crucial to who you are becoming. I am sure that every single one of you has been through very painful experiences. And when you look at those experiences, there are immense gifts that you gained through them. If you haven't had time or space or ever even considered looking at the gifts that you gained from trauma, from challenging experiences, from things that were really hard in your life, I would recommend that you do that. So one thing that I would like to leave with you, something that you can do on a daily basis, and I would highly recommend that as you're moving through the death 
I'll say two things. If you're going through and you're in the, your newer stages of allowing for things to die, it's going to be hard to sit in meditation because it's it's just going to be challenging. And if you're in that space, that's okay. Give yourself time and space to move through whatever you need to move through. And at some point, and when you are ready, start cultivating a daily practice. If you're in a place where you do not feel like you can meditate or sit in any kind of form of prayer or whatever you want to call it, then at least do this. Each morning and each night, as you wake up, call in your energy. We are energetic beings. Our world is in, is energy. And you can go look this up. Science is now proving this, which is such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And when we interact and when we connect with different people, we're interacting with their energetic field. So you can imagine it as tendrils of light. And they're constantly going in and out, in and out, in and out. So when we are actually in our dream space, we do the same thing. So first thing in the morning, call in all your energy. And imagine just seeing these little tendrils of light coming back into you, coming back all the way into you and sending out anything that is not yours, known and unknown. And then allow and imagine, when we use our imagination, it actually taps into the God brain. So when we use our imagination, it starts activating parts of us that are asking to be woken up. So imagine a waterfall of light coming from the sun and pouring down pure, refined, beautiful light, pouring down through the top of your head, this waterfall of light and cleansing, moving all the way through your body. And as it moves through, it cleanses anything that feels heavy, dark, sad, anything that is no longer serving and allow for this waterfall of light to completely move through all the way through, all through your cells, your tissues, through your organs, through your central column. It's called a shishumna. It's that central column that is right next to the spinal cord that runs all the way through the center of your being and allow it to move all the way through and wash all the way down and out through your feet. And then do the same thing at night. Call in all your energy, send energy out that's not yours, imagine it as tendrils of light. And then wash, imagine that waterfall of light washing through you, cleansing your system. And this little practice only takes a few minutes. But what it does is starts allowing you to become more acutely aware of you, of your energetic anatomy, your system, what you're in need of. And it's sending out energy that's not yours and calling back your own, which is so important because we are constantly giving our energy. And if you were not aware of how much energy we're putting out there and never calling it back in, you will get exhausted. So that little practice is, is really, really, it's a beautiful practice that's simple, that's easy. And once you continue to do this day in and day out, you'll notice you'll feel much better, you'll feel clearer, and you're more able to tap into that intuitive mind, to that God brain. And then when you're ready, I would highly recommend doing that practice with a combination of meditation, some sort of meditation that allows for you to sit in silence, that allows for you to sit in a place of nothingness, of calming, of peace. It's often said that you know, prayer is asking for things and meditation is when we get to receive the answers to those prayers. And prayers is some prayer is something that can look like a little, so many different things. And 
and that is something that you can cultivate later as far as a relationship with prayer. And maybe we'll do another episode around prayer later. But I would highly recommend having a daily practice. And with that, it feels time to wrap up. I just wanted to do a shorter episode today to offer some tools, some thoughts that may assist you in your journey, wherever you are at. And as always, head over to my website, amandajoyloveland.com to make sure you're signed up for my newsletters. I have some really beautiful freebies that I am creating. Um, I have some new books that I'm writing on top of the love book that will be released here in the next month, actually. And that feels very vulnerable and exciting. And I'm, I'm thrilled to be sharing that with you in, in hopes that it will assist you in other aspects of your journey. We are all here to walk each other home. And this podcast, I hope, reminds you that you're not alone, that you're not alone in your journey, and that there are other people out there that feel you, that see you, that hear you, hear, fills your heart, hears your prayers. So with that, know that you are loved, know that you are supported. Even when you feel alone, you will get through this and you will be okay. You'll be more than okay. And there are massive gifts that you're cultivating and strength that you can't even imagine. If you are feeling the call to be on this podcast, to share your story, every single guest that has come on here has verbalized how powerful it was to share their story, how healing it was to share their story. So if this is you and you feel like you're ready to share your story, please come on. Please come on and share because our stories are not our own. We get to share them in, in assistance to each other in our journeys. So with that, sending you all so much love. I hope you have a beautiful day. Mm-hmm.